What if tonight I told you that God is going to invite you into an opportunity to change the very course of history? Okay? What if tonight I told you that God is going to invite you into the opportunity to make it possible for people 4,000 miles away to know Jesus just like you get the chance to know Jesus? What if tonight I told you that God is going to invite you to act like him, all right, to be like him, to walk like him, to talk like him? What if tonight you, Marley, you, Corey, could actually be like God? Would you believe me? Would you believe me if, that tonight you get to be a part of changing history forever? All right, would you believe me that College students across the world will know Jesus because of what you do here in little old Morgantown. Would you believe me that if tonight I told you we're going to raise $10,000 so that people can know Jesus? Would you believe me? I hope so. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to leave you on that little cliffhanger, okay? I promise I'm going to come back to that. Um, but... I mean, it seems pretty self-evident. We are going to be talking about generosity tonight, okay? And we're going to talk about kingdom generosity. What does generosity look like in the kingdom of God, okay? You guys excited about that? Cool. Um, sorry. You ever have that where you, like, try to swallow and you can't? Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Charles. I'm not as cool as you. Um, when I think about generosity, the first thing that, like, kind of always pops into my mind is, like, someone giving, giving me a gift, right? Um, we just had Christmas. Did anyone get any cool Christmas gifts? No? I'm sorry. New tires! Hey, I got a new Christmas gift. Um, I got this from Heather. This is a backpack. I love it. I know it seems kind of, you know, practical. If you know me, I don't really care for being surprised. I just want you to get me something. But I don't want, like, thank you. Um, I don't just want, like, pure practical. Like, socks aren't a cool gift, all right? But I also don't want, like, so sentimental that I'm like, well, I'm just going to put this on a shelf and never do anything with it. Like, I like that middle ground of, like, it's practical and I really like it. And Heather did a good job. She got me this backpack. And I, I don't know. <laughs> also, if you knew me, the old backpack I had, I literally had it since I was a freshman in college, which was 2011. No, I threw it in the trash. And it was like, it was just like, all right, whatever. And Heather was like, that's sad. Like, you had that for 11 years. I was like, oh, I don't care. But anyways, I think about gifts, right? Like, everyone, what do you, <laughs> anyways, I don't know what he's laughing about. Everyone likes getting gifts, though, right? Like, everyone loves receiving gifts. Is there anyone that, that like, says, like, oh, uh, no, I don't like getting gifts? Like, is there anyone that says they don't, oh, shush, you like getting gifts? Everyone Everyone likes getting gifts. Everyone, like, if someone, Charlie, said, like, hey, man, I will pay for your dinner tonight, you'd be like, oh, thank you. Like, that's a, that's a free gift, right? Like, that's receiving generosity. Everyone likes to get money. Everyone likes to get free food. Like, girls, I'm sure you all really want a wedding or an engagement ring one day, right? Like, like, everyone likes some generosity. Everyone likes receiving a gift. But the Bible tells us, that kingdom generosity, within kingdom generosity, it is better to give than to receive, right? So you probably heard this, it's like an adage, like you don't have to be a Christian to have heard this before, it's better to give than receive. But this really does originate from the heart of God. And so we actually see it in the Bible in Acts 20, verse 35, it says, Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than receive. But this wasn't just like 2,000 years ago, right? Like there's some people like, oh, well, you know, this person 4,000 years ago actually said it. Well, actually, this originates in the very heart of God. From the first page of the Bible to the very end, we see that this idea that it is better to give than receive. And actually, it's really cool. This verse says blessed, and that word can actually be translated happy. Okay, so, so it, it's like this. You could rewrite the verse like this. Happy are you when you give away rather than gather in. Happy are you when you give away your possessions rather, or so that, other, so that others 
might be blessed. Happy are you when you give up your comfort, your space, your coffee, your dining dollars. Charlie does this. Dude, he pays for people's meals. It's so cool to see that generosity, right? Happy are you when you give away your time, your money, so that others might be blessed. Happy are you when you give up your comfort and your space and your caramel macchiato latte espresso thing that you girls all like. I don't know what they're all called. So Kenzie told me today that there are two drinks that are literally the exact same thing, but one is where you pour milk first, and one is where you pour the coffee first. It is so dumb. Anyways, happy are you. <laughs> I missed something, but that's okay. Happy are you when you give what you have that others might be blessed. It's actually funny. I've been <laughs> I've been trying to teach Emma. If you don't, I have a daughter named Emma. She's one years old. She's not intelligent enough to know what I'm trying to teach her, but I'm still trying, right? And I'm trying to teach her um, that it's better to give than receive. And so Emma loves getting kisses. Like she will literally like lean in so that I can kiss her. She thinks she laughs. She thinks it's like the best thing in the world. But I've been holding her. I've been saying, Emma, you know Jesus says it's better to give than receive. So can you give Dada a kiss? <laughs> and she just won't, man. Like, she won't. Like, I literally have to, like, hold the back of her head and, like, push her face. And it's like, like, it is the most ridiculous, like, she'll get there one day. She'll, she'll understand. And then it'll be great. I'll get to receive. Right? No, I'm just kidding. Better to give than receive. Better to give than receive. Y'all, it, uh, it is actually cool. It doesn't say that you won't be blessed if you receive. You will. Like, it's awesome getting something. You are blessed. But Jesus is saying it is actually better to give. It's not that one is bad and one is good. It's just one is better, right? Better to give than receive. And so, why? Okay, like, why is it better to give, right? We may have heard this, but, but why? Like, why does Jesus say this? And I'm sure some people would say, you know, like, why, why should we be generous? Well, the Bible says we should be generous. And that's true. Um, that, that's absolutely true, but what's really cool is that the Bible doesn't just tell us about generosity. The Bible shows us generosity, and I know that that seems like maybe just a semantics, but, but it doesn't just say, like, hey, you should be generous. It actually models what generosity looks like, and it, and it does something in us that says, I want to do the same. And so what I see from the Bible, and what I'm going to show you tonight is that it is better to give than receive, firstly, because it is the very heart, nature, and essence of God to be generous. And secondly, because when we are generous, we change the course of history forever. When you are generous, you are being like God, and when you are generous, you are a part of changing history forever. Okay, so... I told you the Bible doesn't just tell us about generosity. The Bible shows us generosity. Um, you're not going to find a Bible verse that says those words exactly. You're not going to find a Bible verse that says you should be generous because God is generous. You'll find, like, echoes of that. You'll, you know, you're not going to find a verse that says when you are generous, the world will change forever. But you see this reality. It's shown to us, okay? And it's really cool. It, it's, it's these truths painted across the entire canvas of the Bible, right? And they're etched into history. We see that generosity is, is being like God and that generosity changes the world. So let me show you, okay? Who knows the first verse in all of the Bible? Shout it out, someone. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Go, Tommy. So, what was going on before the beginning. What do you guys think? What was there? What was there before God created everything? Throw it out. Just God. Yes. Before everything, God was what was there. This is actually a weird idea. We can't think about something before a beginning. It's like not possible to wrap our minds around that. But what we do know is that God was there. And what's unique about the Christian faith is that God is a, um, what we call a triune God. So if you've ever heard the word Trinity, right, maybe, maybe you've heard that term, and you're like, yeah, yeah. But you're like, I, don't ask me what it means. I don't know how to explain it, right? Or, or maybe you're like, I don't know what that means. Um, essentially, 
If I were to boil it down, it is that it's this idea that God is three distinct persons with one essence. And so I, I saw this cool little picture, right? So God, the, so God, like in the middle, you got the word God. God is the Father. God is the Son. God is the Holy Spirit. But the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. Okay? So it's this idea that God is one being, one essence, with three divine personalities. Um, and so this idea of Trinity, it's like kind of this, this big, you know, there's like parts of it that you're like, oh yeah, like this makes sense. And then like you turn the page and you're like, what? Like it's like this, this beautiful, logical mystery. Like, and that sounds kind of funny, right? But like there's logic and yet there is mystery. But what we see throughout the whole course of scripture is that God presents himself as a trinity. We see verses like Genesis 1:26, where he says, let us make man in our image. Not let me make God in my image. Let us make, God in our, make man in our image. Or John, 1 John 5, 7 in the KJV, he says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Another name for Jesus was the Logos or the Word. And the th- these three are one. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, the Father and I are one. And so this, this glimpse, this window that we get in Scripture is this Trinitarian, this, this um, relational view of God, right? And, okay, so look, I'm not trying to give y'all, like, a deep theology lesson, okay? Like, we could, we could literally spend five years and not unpack this all. I'm not, I'm not trying to get there, but I want to set something up, okay? What I'm trying to get at when I, with talking about the Trinity is this simple fact that God is relational. God is relational in his very essence— God is relational. Whatever reality was like before creation, we cannot fathom it. What we do know is that there was perfect and whole communion within what we call the Godhead. Right? There was perfect communion, perfect relationship, perfect unity in the Godhead. And, and you know, like I said, like it, it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around, so like the best I can do, like, Look, this is not a perfect illustration, but the best I can do is think about, like, like do you, any of you guys have a friend that is, like, they're, like, that friend where they are the easiest person in the world to hang out with, okay? Like, do y'all have those people, like, not a second goes by that it's, like, wasted, okay? Like, I actually have people that are some of my best friends that don't, don't even, fall, they don't fall in this category, and I know that sounds weird, like, people I've fought with, but some of my best friends, they're, like, those awkward, like, so rainy outside right you know like (laughs) but then you've got these friends where it's just like literally not a dull moment so one of my friends his name is Jordan Thevenins a few of you guys may know him Um, he's an alum from from WVU so he was a small group leader a few years ago and um, I I love Jordan I feel uh, yeah he's he's hysterical we can literally go from like deep theology to like high philosophy to like the stupidest stuff in the world to like f- talking for like 40 minutes about why Buffalo Wild Wings is a great restaurant to like back to like, dude, this is going on in my life and, and I just need someone to share with to like talking about Pokemon Unite. Like li- like literally and, and four hours passes and it's like, oh shoot, like I was supposed to go to bed three hours ago and you have work in the morning, you know? Like, like those kind of friendships where it's like the ease of friendship is just like, like there, there's not, and, and I, don't, I don't have a ton of friends like that, and I don't think that's um, a bad thing. I think most of us, we have one or two that fit that category of like, it is just, I don't even have to think. I just get to be with them, right? And um, so take that friendship, take that person in your mind, and multiply that feeling, that whatever you want, that vibing, whatever you want to call it, a billion, billion, billion times over, and you do not even begin to scratch the surface of what it was like for God to be in a relationship within the, tr- the Godhead, okay? Like, the best friend you have, th- that ease not even a billion times over, comes close to what it was like for God's perfect unity, his perfect fellowship, his perfect friendship within the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had perfect community. God was eternally satisfied before creation. God was eternally complete. God was eternally whole. God was eternally happy. 
And yet, God gave all of that up to bring us into the picture. God changed the very structure of relationship within the Godhead when he created us. Okay? And it's so cool because there was nothing lacking in God that led him to create the universe. There was nothing. God was not lonely, and so he made man to fill some hole in his heart, right? God was not bored trying to find something to just occupy his time. God was not missing anything within the Godhead. God made you and me and this whole universe simply so that he might share what he already had. And when he created us, the entire reality, like yes, there was still perfect communion within the Godhead, but he said, hey, come along in. And if you know the rest of the story, man screws it up, right? Man screws it up. We come along, this beautiful, wonderful, generous gift is given. And man spits on it and steps on it. And in selfishness and in pride and in ingratitude, says, I don't, I don't want a part of this. I don't want this. And in doing so, sealed our fate, breaks relationship with God, and we're left hopeless, helpless, and lost. And yet, I love this, and yet, God's generosity is greater than anything that we can do to it, right? We can take his first gift, we can throw it in the mud, we can stomp on it, we can spit on it, we can walk away. And God is still generous. And we see the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen, says, For God so loved the world that he gave that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And again, God gives generously to us. His first gift is the very breath that lets you sit here. And his second greater gift is that when we screw up everything that God has done for us, he offers a way back in to relationship. He doesn't leave us where we're at. God gave his only son that we might be brought back into relationship with him. God gave his only son that when we spit on his first gift, he could still extend a second better gift to us. God gave his only son so that when we were totally unable to do anything for ourselves, God still worked out a way for salvation. God gave his only son, and the course of history has been changed forever for billions of people who are on their way to hell and now can spend eternity with God. God gave his only son, and the world was changed forever. God gave his only son, my friends, so that you could know him forever. It is better to give than to receive. Okay, so wait. God gives, right? But, like, like how is that better for God that he gave, right? Like, his son dies, right? Like, how, how is it better for God? He gives of himself, and what does he get in return? First, he's met with rebellion. Then, he's met with his own son dying on a cross. How is it better that God gave? How is it better to give than receive? Um, so when I was, like, preparing for this, I had this really cool question that I had never really thought of before. Well, I would kind of thought of, but I never thought of it this way, and I, I want to ask it. Have you guys ever wondered what was God's attitude in everything with the cross? What was God's attitude when he gave his only begotten son, right? John three sixteen says that God gave his only begotten son. What was the attitude of the Father, right? What was God's attitude? What was going through his mind? Was, was God, like, begrudgingly just, like, oh, man, I, I guess I got to give Jesus up, right? Like, was he, was he dragging his feet, like, at every step of the way, just prolonging it until he kind of, like, just had to do it? Was, was God upset and annoyed at us, and it was just that kind of, like, passive-aggressive, like, fine, just take it, you know? Like, was God frustrated that he had to do this because he was somehow obligated? What was God the Father's attitude when he gave the most generous gift in all of eternity, his own son? And the Bible shows us, Isaiah 53, 10, 1 through 10, sorry, 1 through 10. This is, dude, this is intense. It says this, who has believed our report? 
And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, Jesus, shall grow up before him the Father. Okay, just filling in what this prophecy is talking about. As a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by man. A man of, man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Guys, this is, this is prophesied 500 years before Jesus happened, okay? This is literally telling us what we know happened later on, okay? So he says, he, w- he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from this land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he, was do- he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to crush him. Yet it pleased the Lord to crush him. He, was put, he has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It pleased the Lord to crush him. It pleased the Lord to crush Jesus. I wonder if you've ever seen that verse before, ever read it. Maybe you have. But I wonder if it's been revealed in a new way. The Bible says and shows us it pleased the Father to crush the Son. That's, it. That, that's not a verse you can just kind of like skip over, right? So what was this like, right? Like why? Why did it? Was God the Father being vindictive in crushing Jesus, right? Like is our God some sadist that loves punishing the people that he loves? Is God some heartless judge who would crush his own innocent son so that, and take pleasure in it so that, in, so that an innocent man could die for a bunch of rebels, Is God some insane being worthy of following if he would do something like that to Jesus and enjoy it? Or was there something else going on? What does this say about the Father heart of God? What does this say about God's, the God the Father's relation to the Son? What does this say about God's relationship with us? If there's anything that the Gospels point out, if there's anything that the whole Bible points out, points out, it's what I talked about with the Trinity, that there is no more perfect, more beautiful, more incredibly joyful relationship than that of the Godhead. The relationship between the Father and the Son was perfect unity, perfect joy, perfect relationship. God gave up perfect unity. God gave up perfect unity, and it pleased the Father to crush Jesus. And we know that even if for a moment that relationship was broken, Jesus cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God gave up perfect unity, and communion was broken in the Godhead, and it pleased God to do this, that he might have you. It pleased the Father to crush the Son, that he might have you. Every person that has ever lived, every person that is alive, every person that will walk this earth, God, in the generous heart of God, said, I am okay with this. And it, and it makes me happy not to hurt Jesus, just to hurt him. But because he knew his son, and he knew what he was going to get. And it pleased him to give his only son as the most generous gift in all of eternity so that you and I could actually know God.
It's crazy. It's not even a guarantee. <laughs> it's not a guarantee that everyone's going to respond to the gift of God. All right? That's a scary reality. You can say no. And say, I don't want this. But even still, God said, it is the joy of my heart to do this that I might have you. God the Father gave generously, and it pleased his heart to do so, and the world was changed forever. History was rewritten because of God's generosity. It is better to give than receive. We can go one step further, right? We see the Father's heart, that it was, it was not this vindictive, I just want to beat up my son, but I am happy to give him that I might have you, right? But what was Jesus' attitude? What was it like for Jesus, okay? He's the gift being given. He is generosity incarnate, okay? Like, his very life was the, was the generosity of God. What was going through his mind? Was Jesus sullen and sad, like, you know, like, I guess I got to do this, right? Or, like, what was, was he, you know, like, did Jesus know from, like, the time he was a little kid, like, and every day of his life was just, like, the worst day of his life because he knew one day he was going to die? Or, or, or was he, like, tricked? Was he duped? Like, did someone pull the rug out of him, like, last minute? It's like, oh, wait, you're going to die. See ya. You know, like, like what, what, was, what was Jesus's attitude? Again, the Bible doesn't just tell us, it shows us the generosity of our king. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. For the joy set before him. You guys know what that joy is? It's you. It's me. Like the joy that was before Jesus that said, I can go to this cross. That doesn't mean that Jesus was like, oh, this is great. I'm dying. Like he wasn't like just, you know, like bubbling with glee that he was being nailed to a cross. We know that he experienced agony. But there was a joy that he knew was on the other side, and he said, I will do this for you. The joy set before Jesus was the possibility of restored, renewed, redeemed relationship with us. The joy set before Jesus was what led him to say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, as people literally drove nails through his hands. The joy set before Jesus is what allowed him to endure the shame and torture and agony of the cross. The joy set before him is what allowed him to be separated, if even for a moment, from his Father. The joy set before him is what allowed him to endure all the sin and all the evil and all the filth of all eternity. The joy set before him was that he could have you and me. That's just incredible. Like, and he willingly gave himself up for that joy. He willingly gave himself up for that joy. And it changed history forever. There are billions of people whose eternity has changed from death to life because Jesus was willing to give his life generously. Jesus gave generously and history was changed. It is better to give than to receive. But I just, I, as I was doing this, as I was preparing, I just kept coming back to this idea. I'm like, but, like, it just seems like God gets the short end of the stick. Like, he gives, he gives, he gives, even to the point of literally giving up his life. And it, it just doesn't seem fair. Like, it doesn't seem fair that God gives out so much and he doesn't even get a promise of a return. Why is it really better to give than receive? Why was it better that God gave? And what God is showing us by his generosity, by his example, is that generosity is not about being fair or getting what you deserve. Generosity, it just, it's not. Generosity is not about what you get in return. Generosity is just about the simple joy of giving. 
and I know that's not this like life altering like I hope I hope it is, but it doesn't at first you're just like, okay, it's just it's just about the joy of giving. It's about the joy of giving. It was the greatest pleasure of God to give his only son. Okay? Like it was the greatest pleasure of Jesus to give his life. It was the greatest joy. It made God happy. Simple as that. It made God happy that he might have you. And it's just funny, like, I don't, I just, like, I, I've been a Christian for 11 years, something like that. And, and I still just get to this point where I'm like, I just, I just don't get it. Like, why, why would you do this for me? Why? Like, I, I, I mean, I, I see, like, it baffles me just how lavish God's love is. Like, how lavish his generosity is. He was under no obligation. He was under no compulsion. He did this simply because it brings joy to his heart to give generously. He didn't have to create us. He wanted to. He didn't have to save us. He wanted to. And he made a way for us. And, and all I can do is like cry with Paul. If you've ever read Ephesians, he has this bizarre prayer where he's like, God, I pray that I might know this love that passes understanding. He's like, I want to know something that I can't understand, right? Like I, like, I know God's love like the back of my hand. I, just, I, do, I, can't, I can't comprehend it all. It is beyond anything I could understand completely. And yet I want to know it. I want to know this generosity that be goes beyond my understanding. I know it. I see it. I live in it. <sighs> But I just, it's just who he is. It is, makes God happy to give. Generosity isn't fair. You don't get something out of it. Like, if you got something out of generosity, I mean, it's just like a payment. Like, like if you give a bunch of money and you expect something in return, like, that's not generosity. That's just paying someone for getting something, right? The heart of generosity is not fair. It's not fair that Jesus died. It's not fair that God created us and we ruined it. It's not fair to God. And it was a joy for him to do it, to bring us to be with him. Generosity isn't fear, fair, but generosity changes everything. Guys, generosity literally rewrites history. Your history, the history of billions of people have been rewritten because of just how generous God is. Okay, like that is, that is just crazy. And it brings God, it brings joy to God's heart and a smile to his face when, when we're generous too. For the simple joy of, of getting to bless, of getting to give without trying to get something in return. It brings joy to God's heart. At the beginning, I asked this question, right? Like, why should we be generous? Why? why? And you, but, no, the Bible says so. Yes, the Bible says so. But if it's not clear, I'll say it clearly. We should want to be generous because it's the only natural response to seeing God's generosity for us. Like, like if something in you doesn't want to respond to just how much God has done for you, then, then something's got to change. Like, the heart of generosity is not compulsion. It's not you need to give because God told you so. You should want to give because why would I not? Like, why would I not want to give what meager things I have? God literally gave everything. Why would I not want to give back in some way? And it brings God a smile, right? It makes God happy when we're generous. Like, guys, what, what other king leaves their throne? Like, what, what other king leaves perfection to enter brokenness? What other king gives up everything that is rightfully his? Well, no one does that, but our God does. Our God, our king does. And we should want to give as the only natural response to God's generosity. And guys, this is like the product, okay? The, pri the, 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 the prime motivation we give because God first gives. But the prime product is that when we give, 
we get to be part of history being changed forever. Okay? And, like, if that sounds vague, I'm going to show you in just a minute, like, what I mean by that. Okay? Like, we, as we're generous, will literally be etching, like, history in a different way than it was going as we're generous. God gives his son in generosity, and our only natural response is, yes, Lord, I want to do the same. I want to do what I can. Through kingdom generosity, we partake in God rewriting history. Okay, so what, what do we do? What's our response tonight, right? Land in this plane. What's our response? We've gone through this whole sermon on generosity. I've talked about money once, okay? Maybe some of y'all were like, oh, God, he's going to tell me all about money and make me feel bad if I don't give. No, I, I was intentional. I didn't want to talk about that because, guys, like, what I'm trying to get at tonight is the heart of generosity. And if we miss this, we miss it all. Like, if we miss the fact that it is in the very essence of God to w- just, just be generous because that's what he wants to do. He wants to bless. It brings joy to him to give and to not get anything in return. When we have that attitude, when we give, it goes somewhere. Like, you could give a bunch of money and it could go to a good cause. But the thing you miss out on is being like God. Like, you, you, you give to OSHA. You give to that really sad dog commercial that's like four minutes long and angel's wings or whatever. And you're just like, <laughs> and like you know you need to change the channel, but you just can't. If we miss the heart of God in generosity, we miss it all. Okay? So what's the response? Well, first, I, I just, I mean, I feel like I can't miss this. If there are people in this room and you are not a Christian and you don't know God, then, I mean, I feel like the response to, to this, this generosity of God is to say, God, I want to get right with you. I, <laughs> you literally gave your life for me. Why would I not give my life to you? It's rightfully yours, right? And so if there's someone tonight like, you, whether you grew, I grew up in church, and I thought I was saved for 18 years, and I realized I wasn't. I realized I did not know God. There might be some of you in this room that are like, I literally didn't know this, and I want to get right with God. Or if you're here for the first time, and you don't know God, why not give what's already his? Give all that you have. He already gave all that he has, so that you could be right with him. Hebrews 2, 3 says, how shall we escape if we ignore so, so great a salvation. God has offered the greatest gift. <laughs> How are we gonna, what, what else are we going to do if we don't take this? Like, there's, there is no other option. I'm just telling you that. I'm not trying to scare you. There is no other option. How shall we escape if we es- ignore so great a salvation? If you are not right with God, if your heart has been cut deeply by what God has done for you, then tonight I want you to ask your friend, or if you're new, and you don't know anyone, find someone and say, hey, when we're responding, would you pray with me? Would you walk through this with me? I want to be right with God. Do this in community. And then for the rest of us, guys, our response tonight is going to be 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7, which says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There are benefits to being generous. That's not why we do it, but there are benefits, right? There are benefits to generosity. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We are going to respond tonight by being cheerful givers. We're going to be cheerful givers. At the beginning, I asked you if you believe me, if we could raise $10,000 to change the world. That is a big number. That's a big number. But our God is a God of big generosity. Okay? And so I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. All right? Our band, you guys can go ahead and come up. This is pretty cool. We have literally, like, I've been, like, there were some people beforehand. Carly was like, are we going to talk about these people? I'm like, yes, we are. She's like, what? And I'm like, I'm not going to say yet. Like, Charles and Frankie and Christopher and Heather and Katie and a handful of us, we have been, like, on edge. Like, this is sick, okay? And, and 
I know I'm like teasing this. I want you guys to get excited because the heart of generosity is that it's fun to give. The heart of generosity is that it's a joy. God says be a cheerful giver. Another way, I like be a fun giver. It is fun to give. Heather and I have, in, we have a monthly budget. We literally have a like budget category that we, we call it extra giving. It's just our like fun giving. Like it is so much fun to be like, hey, you want to buy them dinner? Oh yeah, okay, let's do it. And like, no, like, like it is fun to bless people. It's fun to send people a Venmo. Hey, get dinner on us. Hey, get coffee on us. Like we cultivate that fun and generosity. And so what we're going to do as a Chi Alpha, as an entire unit, is we're going to get to practice godly kingdom generosity. And so we're going to give to these two people. There's a picture up on the screen. Yeah. So this is awesome. Some of you know them. They are missionaries. In okay. There's like seven names for that country. Um, it was actually one of my leaders at one point. He's a good friend of mine, um, good friend of Charles, and um, has been serving faithfully and then doing literally what we're doing here. He is doing Chi Alpha 4,000 miles away. I looked it up. This is 4,000 miles away. And what we're going to do is we are in faith going to say, God, we are going to raise as a Chi Alpha $10,000 to bless and what this looks like, I mean, I d this is why I want you to see, like, generosity changes the world, okay? So, we actually haven't talked. We're going to surprise them, all right? And we're going to do it, like, here at Kai Alpha. We're going to FaceTime them, and we're going to surprise them. And we're going to say, hey, we've got $10,000 we want to give you, okay? But what this is going to do, so you see this speaker right here, right? And this microphone. Someone was generous to us. And they bought us literally everything except for Katie's guitar and that cajon. Everything on the stage, someone in their generosity paid for. And I believe that most of you have experienced the presence of God because of a speaker, because of a wireless microphone. Like that sounds funny, but some of you have met Jesus and your life has been radically transformed in this room because of this. And yes, God could meet you if we didn't have any of this. God could change your life, but God has changed so many of our lives through what we do in this room through this sound equipment. And it cost thousands of dollars. We didn't have that money. Someone in generosity gave it to us. Or, or some of you guys got met at the booth. We didn't buy that tent. We didn't buy that board. We didn't buy that table. Someone in generosity gave it to us. And there are people that came to a small group and met Jesus because there was a table with a big blue tent over it that was showing everyone, hey, we're here. And there was people with signs that we didn't buy because someone in generosity gave it to us. And your life or your friend's life or your sister's life or whoever's life was changed forever. Because someone was first generous. And we want to buy them these things. We want to provide them with the stuff so that they can be on campus with a big old table, with a big old tent, with a bunch of signs. And say, we're here. Come meet our God. And people in will know Jesus through our generosity. History will be rewritten for how, we don't even know how many people. And I know that seems so, so silly. It's, oh, it's just a speaker. It's just a whatever. It's just a van. It's just a whatever. Guys, the things God can do through our generosity, God wants to change the through us. Most of us will never go there. Some of y'all will go. You're going on a trip this summer. Let's go. You might get to get there and they will have stuff that is, you will literally be able to touch our generosity to them. And you will meet people that will know Jesus. That is what it looks like to change history through our generosity. And so it's really cool. We're going to give two ways, okay? We're going to give what we're going to call a first fruit, right? In the Bible, we talk about the first fruit. Give the, give the first, right? And we're going to do that tonight. We're not going to raise $10,000 tonight, okay? I know that's what all of y'all were thinking. You were like, oh, my gosh, Sean. <laughs> I think it would be silly not to respond tonight, okay? So we are. We're going to give, as the Bible says, cheerful givers, okay? 
And then we're also going to do a big old offering. It's 10 weeks from today, March 23rd, right after spring break. Okay? And we're going to come and we're going to, all that we've gathered, all in our generosity, and we're going to give it to the Lord. And then, at the next rally, we're going to call we're going to say, hey dude, it's going to be like 2 in the morning for him. We're going to say, I know this is weird, we're not going to tell you why, but you need to, you need to answer us. And we're going to put him on the big screen, I'm going to face him out, and we're going to say, hey dude, we raised $10,000 for you, and we just want to bless you. And we're not going to get anything from it, but history will be changed. And so it's cool. I just thought, I mean, I looked this up. We, there's about 100-ish people involved in our Chi Alpha, maybe more. Not everyone's here, but that's about $100 a person. Over 10 weeks, it's $10 a week, okay? That is uh, not crazy. That's, <laughs> I was telling, uh, who was I telling today? I was telling someone, Frankie. I was like, that's one meal for... All of you, or for those of you who like deals, that's two meals. Um, Wendy's, $5. Uh, one meal a week, you say, I'm not going to eat out. I'm going to give this. For 10 weeks, that's easy. But also, what's cool about generosity, why not just give more? Like, you can't outgive God. You're not going to outgive him. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> what if we gave him $15,000? Like, we're shooting for 10. But what if you were just like, dude, I raised 100 bucks in like two weeks. Eight more weeks, like, why not? You know, like, and so what is what can we do? Like, I we're gonna. I just want to give you all some like seed ideas, right? Like, it doesn't just mean like, oh, I'm just gonna pull a hundred dollars out of my bank account. Like, you could do that, and that'd be awesome. You could do that tonight if you wanted. Who cares? You do it. But you could also do some stuff. Generosity is fun, okay? So like, you could do a garage sale, like sell a bunch of stuff. Get together, let's have a community garage sale and sell a bunch of stuff. Um, you could have a bake sale. You could, you know, like Katie said, this was really cool. Like some of y'all's parents like give you grocery money, like, and you don't use it all. Buy like ingredients to make pepperoni rolls and sell pepperoni rolls. Like, you know what I mean? Like utilize what God has given you. Give back. You could do a craft sale. You could sell something. You could... Um, Boys, you go to Kegler's. What if every time you went to Kegler's, you said, however much I spend, I'm going to double that. I'm going to set that aside. And I'm going to, you know, quote, unquote, buy a meal. Every time you go to Kegler's, you pay $18. You set 18, uh, another $18 aside and say, that's what I'm giving. That's five more Chi Alphas, five times 18. That's almost $100. That's right there. Like, that's sick. You know what I mean? Like, this one was my favorite. Like, maybe there's a crazy enough small group. It's probably the guys that are like, hey, you know those things where it's like, hey, like, pay a dollar to throw a pie at my face. Like, you know, there's like kind of silly, stupid things. Maybe Brandon's smart group is like, hey, come pay us to watch us swim across the Mon River in February. Like, I would, I would gladly give like $10 to watch you guys do that. Like, like have fun with it. Like, compete with each other. And I, and I godly competition would be like, dude, our smart group's totally going to give more than you. And it's like, no, you're not. We're going to give, you know, like. Like, some of y'all have small group members that aren't here. Like, we're going to cast this vision to them, too, right? Like, we're doing this together. Katie also brought up this cool idea. Like, we could have, like, an event. Like, we had, like, the winter formal last year. We got something like that, but, okay, $5 a head. Like, I would happily give $5. Yeah, I mean, I could go for it for free, but, like, this is going to them. I'm going to have a book sale one week at Rally. I'm going to have a bunch of books back there. Dirt cheap, really good. All of it's going to go Like, there are fun ways to give. That is what we're fighting for, is this fun way to give. And like I said, we're going to call. And I, I don't know. I just, I had this picture earlier today. I was like, what if, like, what if someone called you and was like, hey, man, I want to give you $10,000. Like, I almost feel bad for them. Like, I don't know how they're going to respond. Like, are they going to weep? Are they going to be like, hang up and think we, like, tricked them? Like, like, I really wish we could, like, get, like, 10 grand and just, like, fan it out, you know? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for that much money in my hands. Guys, w generosity is fun. Jo it, it brings joy to God's heart to give, and it should do the same to us. And so, as you guys are about to play, you can do something soft, maybe. Like I said, tonight we're going to give a first fruits. And so what I want this to be... Um,
during this first song of worship, it's a really beautiful song I asked him to play. It's called You Gave, and it's this whole idea that God gave to us. And so what I want to do is, is I want to challenge all of us to really, before we do anything, to just consider and say, God, he said, the Bible verse says, don't give out of compulsion. Don't give because, man, I feel like I have to. God wants a joyful, cheerful giver. Don't, don't feel like you're obligated to. Like, if by the end of tonight you're like, man, like, I would just be giving because I feel bad, I feel pity, don't do it. Like, you don't have to give. <laughs> but what I want you to do is during this first song, I want you to say, God, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to do? And, and when there's like that joy that was of like, oh, I'm, if all you got is five bucks, give five bucks, 20 bucks, whatever. And I want you to know every single bit of this is going to, we're not taking anything. The Lord's been generous to us, and he continues to be. We want to be generous to them. And so we have these little baskets, too. If you got cash or whatever, like, come up. This is like a little altar space. Like, make it a gift unto the Lord. Like, don't just come up and sit in there. But like, Lord, when I go up, I'm giving this as a, as a pleasing gift to you. And, to and so I want you, during this first song, don't just give right away. We also have a cash app in Venmo. I'm going to send you all that. I'm going to send your small group leaders that little what it is, and then y'all can, can look at it or whatever if that's how you want to give. Um, we're going to do that today as a, a faithful obedience to the Lord and say, God, we're going to give. And then also, 10 weeks from now, man, we're going to have a big old party, and we're going to give. We're going to give $10,000, guys. That sounds crazy, but I, I hope now you're like, you know what? We got this. This is our God. We can't outgive him. He is going to provide. We're going to have fun. And this is going to change not only the course of history there, but guys, I think this is going to change our Chi Alpha forever. And this is going to change you forever. So we're going to do that. We're going to respond now. We're going to be joyful givers, just like our God is a joyful giver. <laughs>